Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the Habs are stumbling against the Sabres again. And can we send the Penguins into panic mode? You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 1016 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, or if you're watching on YouTube.com there as well. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metlin. As always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura... Uh, I was pulling, well, triple duty trying to watch, you know, PWHL Montreal, trying to watch the Rocket and trying to watch the Habs. You had a much closer eye on the Habs game than I did. So I'm going to ask right off the bat, did the Habs just get goalied in this game in a game that, you know, they were actually good in, I guess? This is a kind of game you want in a rebuild where the Canadians are showing positive signs in the underlying numbers and they're losing the game. <laughs> um, so it looked very much like the Canadians were, I wouldn't say skating circles around the Sabres, but it, it, it's the it, it's at the point where before we started recording, Scott really had to like bring me down to earth on just how not good the Buffalo Sabres are. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate because I look at the roster, I'm like, they should be better than they are. And Scott, I know you disagree with me a little bit, but this is the thing. Like when you're looking at the Montreal Canadiens, yes, they, I don't even know if I would call it getting goalie. I would just, I would be like this, this was, this was something that the Canadians can draw a lot of lessons from. Like this is a positive. Yeah. And I look at this game that I'm, and the biggest thing is I want to point out here in case you're wondering how this game went. Uh, Josh Anderson ended this game with a 90% expected goals for pretend uh, percentage, which is unheard of uh, at the other end of the spectrum, Jesse Olinen, uh Brandon Jiniak and Tanner Pearson finished under 11% on that fourth line there, which I, I don't know. I don't know what's up with that, but this is a game where they were the only three players that fourth line who are under 50% expected goals at five on five. The Canadians just across the board and like every counting stat and every, you know, advanced metric here kind of punched the Sabres in the mouth a little bit. 61% uh, shot percent or course four percentage at five on five, 68.85% Fenwick, uh, 61% of the shots at five on five, 58% of the high danger chances, 63% expected goals percentage. And I know that expected goals percentage, et cetera. What about real goals? Well, the Canadians got two of them. Uh, the Sabres got one of them at even strength, one on the power play and one shorthanded. It's the kind of game that if you're going to lose, I'm actually kind of happy to see a loss. If that makes sense, about as happy as I could be for a loss overall. I Other than special teams. Other than special teams, again, which I know. Uh, the big part out of this is Joshua Waugh two primary assists on the night, which we love to see that. Uh, Arbor Jack, I had an absolute missile of a shot. Uh, 
as far as games go, this is about as good of a loss you can get in in a tanking season without like I don't even know how else to phrase it. Like I would have maybe liked some points from Slavkovsky, and we'll uh, talk about that in the power play in a second here. But if you're not going to get top line points, two points from Joshua and a goal from Arbor Jacki is and a goal from Jaden Struble too usually going to make me a pretty happy guy most nights. Well, yeah. And this is the thing. And like when the Canadians are good too, there are going to be some nights where their stars are going to be kept, kept off the score sheet and be a moral victory for the opposing coach. Right. Um, I like, I'm upset about the streaks, obviously the point streaks, but it had to end sometime. Um, and I just, I really liked Arbor Jack eyes game this time around because there were a lot of doubts as to whether going to the AHL and he was absolutely dominant there. Don't get me wrong. And then him coming back to the NHL had him lose a step or there was something in his game that wasn't really adding up or connecting anymore. Um, so I'm glad for that goal. I hope it does give him a little bit of confidence and reminds him like of the value he has as a player on the Habs. Um, also, Joshua Wah, like always happy for him. Uh, I do think, though, that at the end of the day, games like this are what you want to see this year. And again, special teams, it's still something they need to work on. And I know we're going to get it to that, Scott. But I feel like at some point, a lot of this personnel is just not going to exist on the hab. So they really need to start working their core into more situations. Like if you're and, and I guess this kind of flies in the face of like, you know, use this guy on the power play or use that guy on the power play. But like, I just feel like it's only it's only good or it's only showing signs of improvement when you're putting Slavkovsky there or when you're using your stars correctly on them. And here's the thing is I noticed this very early on when I was having a chance to actually sit down and watch this because it's hard to do so because the NHL blackout rules are stupid and archaic and I hate them. How many screens did you have? Uh, TV had PWHL computer screen behind me had the rocket. Uh, my actual laptop screen had, uh, the, uh, NHL game on there. So (laughs) technically three, I wanted to watch it on my Xbox TV here so I could have it right in front of me. And I'm not constantly doing one of these look up and down things and giving myself a headache. I look at this game, the Sabres, the one thing that I noticed very quickly is they were keying in on Slavkovsky on the power play. And he he recognized that very early on. And with that happening, again, there wasn't a plan B. And God love Mike Matheson. When there's not a plan B that involves passing it to one of the two players, whether it be to Caulfield or Suzuki or over to Slavkovsky, rarely, he doesn't know what to do with it. And it, it the decision-making struggles. And Caulfield himself looked a little bit off it tonight. And... If the power play clicked like we know it could tonight, this very easily could have been a Habs blowout in this game because I'm just looking at all these numbers. Outside of the fourth line, everybody was incredible. And it's, you know, you don't get games like that in games where the whole team doesn't play well. Even against the Ducks, I don't think the Habs had numbers like this. They might have. I'd have to go back and check. And I, you know, I'm just saying that now on this podcast. Uh, But the one thing I'm really wondering about coming out of this and with the Penguins game looming, and we will talk about that, uh, Laura, do you think Cole Caulfield's fully healthy right now? There's something off about him. I don't know if it's health or if it's in his head, but 
he doesn't seem like the Cole Caulfield that we've come to expect. Uh, he's still obviously playing with a smile on his face, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I do think that uh, Andrew Berkshire pointed something out that obviously had um, a bunch of degenerates responding to him um, in an extremely inappropriate way. And that was that Cole Caulfield is the recipient of a ton of cheap shots that go unnoticed or uncalled. And it's definitely something where he hasn't been able to wriggle away like he used to. I think that's a very good point too, is that it's like, I see him getting knocked down around the net a lot and it's, you know, I don't think it's his shoulders. I don't think it's, I just think that it's a wear and tear kind of thing. He's missed some practice this week for therapy days. And I think part of it is he's just getting beat up a lot. He's they're one of the only lines that are out there right now. And they get used a lot. And that's it. They get used on the power play. Key situations. First one out over the boards to start games. He They're a target. And Caulfield, being the smaller, skilled guy that he is, is always going to get targeted by other players. Fairly or unfairly, that is a thing that's going to happen. And I am not one of those, hey, Arbor, just grab a dude and start wailing on him. But after seeing kind of some of the stuff in this game, I'm like, just grab somebody, anybody. And, you know, and murder them, not in those words, because my mm-hmm. lawyer would advise me otherwise. But it's I hate the phrase sending a message. But in this circumstance, I think sending a message is kind of what was needed. It's like every every game from here on out, like the Coyotes are going to target him. The Devils are going to target him. The Penguins might not because they don't have anyone that can really do that. But I don't want to see the promising parts of this team get picked apart by garbage uh, across the season here. And who knows? Maybe he comes out against the Penguins tomorrow night, fresh as a daisy, and just scores two goals and has an assist. It's up in the air. It's hard to say in that. But I'm hoping that it's just, hey, a little bit bruised and beaten up, nothing serious, because I do not think I could stomach another year where it's like, well, Caulfield got hurt, and you're going to hear, too small, he's fragile. My model says that I don't give a crap about any of that. I just want to make sure the exciting players on this team can remain as healthy and exciting as possible going forward. Uh, Absolutely, and I know we have a ton of stuff to talk about, but just reminding everybody that tomorrow is the mailbag episode. Please send us mailbag questions. Um, You can send them to us on Twitter. LO underscore Canadians. You can put them in our YouTube comments, MBQ or mailbag question, or you can email us. And we have tons of responses to our Habs Mount Rushmore. Uh, lots and lots of varied ones. At first, they were very, very, very common. Uh, very, very excited to delve into that. But please, please, please send us your mailbag questions. Yes, and we will get to all of those in tomorrow's episode. But first, we do have to talk about the game that is tomorrow that I kind of forgot about because there's a lot of hockey games, and that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by the fine folks at Ibotta. And grocery bills are expensive, but now they don't have to be because you can start getting cash back on your grocery shopping with the free Ibotta app and get cash back every single time you shop. Because Ibotta is the free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. And the average Ibotta user earns 256 bucks a year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. So you can buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. Who doesn't love a nice steak after all? And right now, 
Ibotta is offering our listeners just $5, $5 just for trying Ibotta by using code Locked On NHL when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code Locked On NHL. That's I B O T T A in the Google Play or App Store and use code Locked On today. Welcome back, everybody. This is, of course, Locked On Canadians, your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I, admittedly, I'm going to admit to being a poor host of this podcast here, very serious one. Everyone saw the pizza blanket photo. I forgot there was a Canadiens game on Thursday, and I was planning my work travel. I was like, good, I might spend an overnight, you know, closer to the market I need to be in, then realized... There is a Habs game on Thursday night. And also, if you can hear snoring, I apologize. My dog is passed out in her chair on the other side of the room right now and is snoring. This is actually fair. (laughs) It sounds like she's playing with a toy. (laughs) She's actually like whinnying like a horse in her sleep. Maple. (laughs) Out like a light. Anyways. Uh, I thought I, uh, I thought the game was on Friday. To be honest, uh, your hosts are not doing well, you guys. I think you can tell right now. <laughs> anyways, I wanted a detour to that because it's more interesting than talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins at some points this year. <laughs> um, the Penguins have been—I I don't want to say bad, but they are a team that when you talk about they are underperforming or they are not performing the way they should have this season, they are a poster child for it the advanced metrics are there but they keep losing games that they probably should be winning uh blown out by the coyotes 5-2 lose to the panthers uh barely squeak by the canadians in overtime beat the jets in a game they probably should have lost lose to the wild in a game they should have won lose to the jets get blown up by the panthers again squeak by the blackhawks get pummeled by the Kings who are on a free fall and then lose to the Islanders in the game. They should have won. And they are just ridiculously inconsistent over and over and over again. It is just, what are the penguins? And to be quite honest, I don't know what the penguins are. They are a team that should be better than this, but all we're hearing about them is, Oh my God, is Kyle Dubas going to start a fire sale? Are they trading anybody? Are they going to fire the coach? What are they going to do? And it is, wow, their site is terrible, and I hate this. When I click on the (laughs) stats tab, I just want you to go to stats. Don't bring me a splash page. Anyways. Is it a splash page trying to sell you tickets? No, it's a splash page that then goes stats, and then they have little click pictures for all the different categories instead of just taking me to the bloody stats page like I wanted in the first place. Um Let's get one thing out of the way with this game. Sidney Crosby's having the one of his best seasons in recent years that he's going to he's on pace for 50 goals this season. First time in a little while with that 55 points in 53 games right behind him is the now currently injured Jake Gensel 52 points in 50 games and then Evgeny Malkin 42 points in 53 games Eric Carlson 39 points in 53 games then Brian Russ 32 and 40 Chris Letang 32 and 53 etc. This is a team that when you talk about top heavy teams, you have their big four, maybe five, depending on how you see Brian Rust, and then off a cliff. Uh, Chris Letang's production's kind of taken a little bit of a dip this year. 
Riley Smith hasn't been what they were hoping for. Uh, Ricard Raquel's not really there. Lars Eller is, you know, your third line center. He's there to do third line center things. And it's just off a cliff. There's like Drew O'Connor has 18 points. Ryan Graves has 10 points and they paid big money for these players. They are a team that for all of Kyle Dubas's smarts, it seems like he bet on the wrong horses in this. And maybe it's just a regression thing, but the Penguins are a team that are like teetering on the cusp of doing something really stupid. And I'm hoping the Canadians can push them over that edge. Like last year when they won three games against the Penguins and cost them a playoff spot. They have the chance to do the funniest possible thing in this game, but they are traveling on a back-to-back against a Penguins team who's probably very angry uh, after losing to the Islanders this week. And the Islanders and Penguins are definitely a... They're a rivalry right now. Blood feud. That, it's a blood yes. feud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like, like this is the thing. It's like last time there was a back to back where the opponent was there for the taking. I didn't love how the Canadians treated that. And it's true that it was like, you know, it was during the day, everything was off, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't love their reaction. So for me, what I'm looking for, I'm not looking for a win necessarily. I'm looking for them to keep that killer instinct to the best of their ability. I understand that they're tired. I understand that they will probably be a slow, like a little bit slowed down as any team on a back-to-back with travel included would be. I just want to see them try. I want to see efforts and ideas. And and that's exactly it is actually, I'm going to go check out like where their special teams ranked too, because I'm pretty sure the Penguins power play has been, uh, part of their issue this season here, which, uh, wow, I can't imagine what that's like. Let's take a look <laughs> at power play percentage. Well, that's the thing, like, they have so many weapons there. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it feels like a wasted season for Eric Carlson. Scott is making a face for those of you who aren't watching on YouTube. Okay, Laura, what do you think the Montreal Canadiens power play percentage is this season? I don't know. It's probably, like, two. <laughs> It is 20.1%, good for 18th in the NHL. Okay. What do you think the Pittsburgh Penguins power play percentage is this season? Okay, so you pointed it out, so it's got to be like 15 or 17 or something like that. You shot too high. What? 13.5% on the season. 30th in the NHL, 0.4 points out of last place. The Chicago Blackhawks are clicking in at 13.1. The Flyers at 13.3, not counting tonight's game. Uh, Their power play is abysmal, and I don't understand it when you have Sidney Crosby, Eric Carlson, and Evgeny Malkin as part of it. That's what I'm telling you. There's so many weapons on that power play. Like, this is like, honestly, (laughs) it feels like Kyle Dubas keeps, like, landing into an embarrassment of riches, and for whatever reason, it's not working out. Uh, their penalty kill, however, looks to be very good. 82.1% good for eighth in the NHL. Not far from Which being is fine. inside. The Canadians weren't going to score anyway. So. See, here's the thing is, I think they could. I absolutely, But I am not willing to test the Canadians' penalty kill in front of Jake Allen on a back-to-back with travel tomorrow night. If there was ever a cure for getting the Penguins out of a power play funk, it is all of that, and I am not willing to to take part in that at any point in time. I everything about this game screams the Canadians are probably going to be 
a get right game for the Penguins, something dumb's going to happen. The Canadians might jump out to a four nothing lead and blow it and then win in overtime. Cause that's funny. Or they might get smoked like five, one in this game. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous. I, the Penguins, like it's I said, gonna are going to be mad. If the Penguins come out, like I think they're going to come out in this game, uh, Montreal better weather that storm and get after the, I'm going to call it a bottom nine in Pittsburgh, basically outside of like Malkin and rust. Maybe uh, Pittsburgh's there for the taking. I'm not sure who they're going to start in net, whether it be Nadelkovic or Tristan Jari, but Tristan Jari has struggled against the Canadians mightily in the past. So uh, I guess we will see on that. Um, we will have your recap tomorrow with the mailbag episode. Tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, lockdown Canadians at gmail.com. However, we are entering silly season. The trade rumors are flying, and we are getting into the hypotheticals, and all that's going to be coming up next. But first, we are all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. You don't need to search. You can match with Indeed. And if you need to hire, you're going to need Indeed because Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I went through Indeed when I was looking for my last job over the summer, and it made my life so much easier that I could instantly find exactly who I was looking for, and they could find me clearly a top candidate for the job. So join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash locked on. That is Indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed through this podcast. Indeed.com slash locked on terms and conditions apply. And if you need to hire, you need Indeed. So we're back, and by we, I mean locked on Canadians and, like, the general sense of, like, the East Coast and the time and space of being. Uh, anyways, before <laughs> I drift into, like, a Grateful Dead Fish album solo, whatever, the the trade deadline is closing in. We're, you know, two weeks away, and everyone knows, oh, Sean Monaghan's gone. What are the Canadians going to trade? Tanner Pearson's bad. Josh Anderson couldn't hit, you know, water if he fell out of a boat. Uh, Yol Armia is too expensive. And the rumors that keep coming up that names that we've heard or that keep getting mentioned a lot are two, I'm going to say third pair defensemen. And I don't mean that as a negative thing, but players with a little bit of term left on their contract are affordable and are versatile. And that's Jordan Harris and Jonathan Kovacevic. Both players have been are likely being circled upon by other teams at this point because they are like I said they are cheap and they are versatile and they're not you know older players that if you want to you can re-up them on another contract bring them back uh however it fits and that they will be there for you know next season if you need them and I guess my thought is you know if I had a if I had to you know ask you point blank Laura you have to decide between Jordan Harris or Jonathan Kovacevic who are you keeping at the trade deadline or are you trading both and rolling with uh, Justin Barron as your replacement? 
Well, is there a gun to my head or not? Because I want to keep both of them. Um, the reason is these are two players on the Canadians who consistently have strong underlying numbers. They are consistently reliable. They are not like you don't make your break, make or break your team on a third pairing or whatever. But like when you have a team that's ready to contend, you need third pairing guys that are this good at the little things like you don't hear a lot about them and there's a reason for that like I remember when Jordan Harris first started playing people would complain oh he doesn't do anything well he looks like he doesn't do anything because for him taking control of the play and keeping the puck out of the net and out of the zone looks so easy like this is the thing that's all you're asking for from defensemen is take control of the play back from the opponent Keep the puck out of the zone, get the puck out of the zone, and just be chill and just be, you know, it's hard to play against these guys. So I don't I don't want to lose either one. But at the same time, I recognize that right now the Habs are not ready to contend at all. They are so far away right now looking at most of the stuff that's going on. There's a lot of time. And I know that defensive defensive depth-wise, there is a little bit of a logjam. So from my perspective, now is the time to trade them both and try to see what you get for them. It's just I'm really sorry to see them go because they're such good players. I just really want the Habs, like when, when it is time for them to start making noise in the playoffs, to have two guys that are this good at the little things. And the thing about this is, I don't think we'd be entertaining this at all if Jaden Struble hadn't taken the jump that he had this season, is that him being an NHL player this season, and yes, I know that there are prospect people out there, yes, hi Hattie, uh, that believed in him a lot, that I'm shocked, but I watched his game even from last year and going into this season that I am stunned at that at that leap that he took. And I go, okay. So that's one, but then you realize that coming in, you have Lane Hudson. It's almost assured that Lane Hudson is signing in this summer. Uh, if he doesn't, well, then we reassess then. David Reinbacher is coming over the minute that Cloten is done playing the relegation series. Uh, he's going to be leaving Switzerland and coming over, whether that be to the NHL level or to the Laval Rocket. And in indications are he's going to go play a couple games in Laval to end this season here. Okay, that's two more. And then you have Adam Engstrom coming in there afterwards. What does that become? What about anyone else coming in the draft that you've picked there? Does Justin Barron make that graduate jump there? And I'm glad you mentioned being tough to play against because there is Arbor Jackeye tough to play against. That it's like trying to hug a porcupine. You don't want to be around them. It's not a good idea. It's going to hurt. And tough to play against in that you are trying to catch a fart with your hands and that you cannot stop what they are doing because they make it look so easy. Everything is done smart. Pucks are where they need to be and where you can't get them. Guys like Jonathan Kovacevic and Jordan Harris, when they are playing at their best, and this does include Caden Gooley and Mike Matson, et cetera, but they're hard. They are the kind of guy that you can really build a solid third pair around. When the Canadians went deep to that Stanley Cup run, yeah, you had Weber and Sherratt that were hard to play against, like hugging a porcupine. You had Jeff Petrie, who was very good at putting pucks where they needed to be and moving it out of the zone. And then you had a rotating cast on that third pair, whether it be Alexander Romanov, whether it was uh, Eric Gustafson, who was kind of an unsung little piece in there. Harrison Kovacevic filled that role. And you don't have to play him every day, but it's a damn sight better than, you know, whatever overpaid vet you were having, they're not getting the same results. 
Kovacevic being cheap with another year on his contract and Harris as well, and they can both move the puck decently, are going to fetch something. And I don't think it's going to be a first-round pick. Far from it. But I think some team will give up a good chunk for any of those. And I don't really know which one I'd want to part with at this point. I like Kovacevic. And I think Jordan Harris is still underrated by this fan base. But I think Jaden Struble's made him a little bit expendable and Kovacevic is perhaps a little bit more trusted by the Canadian staff at this point. So either way, we have to see one of my favorites go, or you know what? Maybe Kent Hughes is going to do his thing where he's patiently waiting for the return he wants as opposed to the return he's going to get or going to be offered. So we might not see a trade either way, but the fact that these names keep coming up, Scott, as you pointed out before we started recording, we have to pay attention and we have to come to terms with the possibility of losing one or both of them. And I really don't want to see what the Canadians look like after the trade deadline if that happens. And I think that's part of the rebuild that no one really talks about. Well, that we don't talk about much is that you will lose your favorites. We lost our Terry Lekkinen. That sucked. We hated that. Alexander Romanov got traded. Yeah, it netted Kirby Doc. And maybe it's not right now. But maybe as part of a draft day trade, et cetera, Kent Hughes is known for that kind of thing. So we'll keep an eye out. We'll see what's coming. I don't think it'll happen till the deadline itself. I think the Canadians are going to just hold on to everything they got right now unless they are offered something, whether that be Tanner Pearson or Jake Allen or Caden Primo or Harris or Kovacevic or, you know, 75 uh, Shen Shodes from the Bell Center, uh, what's left of the metal costume, 17 pylons that are kept outside. Uh, the snow off of one of the statues. Anything can be sold. It's just, you know, I think they're going to hold on to it uh, right now. Uh, when those trades do come, though, uh, no givesies, backsies. Uh, we will take your picks and prospects, and you will like it. Uh, coming up in tomorrow's episode, we will recap the Penguins game. We will have the Friday mailbag, so please tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. In the YouTube comments, just put MBQ so we can pick that out in there. Uh, as always, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you all next time.